Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, good afternoon. This is a great day. Oh my gosh, Natalie, you look stunning. This is amazing. This is amazing. Look at all these. You didn't tell me you were inviting the best looking people to your wedding. Friends, you got to laugh at these jokes. Come on now. This is going to be a long homily if you're not giving me anything. Okay, so my name is Father Patrick Schultz. For those of you who don't know me, I'm, uh, I'm not a priest at this parish. I grew up, though, at this parish. I'm a priest now at uh, Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish in Wadsworth, and it is a joy. It's a joy and an honor to be standing up here with uh, Mikey and Natalie as they've come here into the house of God to lay down their lives for each other in imitation of Jesus. What a long road it's been uh, to get to this point. It's been my privilege to prepare these two. A burden and a privilege. I'm just kidding. Mostly privilege. All privilege. It was a joy. It was an absolute joy. One of my absolute favorite things to do as a priest is to prepare couples for this sacrament. Um, I, love doing, I love doing wedding prep. I love doing marriage prep. And I love celebrating weddings. But especially for people that I have history with, right? I've known you guys for such a long time. Such a long time. So long, in fact, that when Mikey and I first knew each other, we both had full heads of hair. That's how long we go back to each other, right? Amazing. It's amazing. So everyone you've invited here, friends and family from all different parts of your lives are all here because they love you and they want to support you and they're excited to see you guys uh, become a married couple. They want to see you lay down your lives. This is a great, uh, a great day. You know, part of the reason why, whether we know it or not, part of the reason why we love weddings so much is because at a wedding we get to glimpse something that only God can do, right? We get to witness God take two people and weld them into one, right? We get to see God's math, that he makes one plus one equal one, that only by the power of the Holy Spirit is that like possible, right? That's what a church is. A church is like a divine welding factory, where by the power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God's love, he makes... He makes things come together. And that's what's going to happen today. Like, even though you both are both whole and entire and wonderful on your own right, with jobs and friends and hobbies and personalities and all of that, you're, you're inadequate on your own. Like, every single one of us, the way that we're made by God, we heard in that first reading, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for a woman to be alone. It's not good for any of us to be alone because we're made in the image and likeness of a God who is a communion of persons, right? We begin every mass, every prayer as Catholics, as Christians, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? We believe in one God, but a God who exists as this eternal exchange of life and love. And we're made in the image and likeness of that God, which means that our fulfillment comes about when we give ourselves away in love to another, right? And that's what you're here to do. Right? Love has claimed such a huge part of your hearts that there's only one thing left to do, which is, I want to give you all of me. Right? That's why we're here. God has made us into these weird creatures that we're only full when we empty ourselves. We only receive when we give ourselves away, when we give ourselves as a sincere gift. In a moment, after I finish preaching, you guys are going to come and stand right here in front of the altar with the crucifix in the background to pronounce vows to each other, just like so many couples have done in this church for years and years and years. You stand in front of the altar. You know, in the Old Testament, altars were, it's a place of sacrifice. 
It's a place of death. It's a place where something was, come, was being brought to be killed, to be offered up. You're coming to stand in front of the altar because you've come to lay your lives down, to join him on the cross, to lay your lives down. And the paradox, of course, is that in doing that, you have life. You have more life. But you can do this in front of the altar. There's no getting out of this alive. You've come here to lay your life down. I, was, I had a funeral this morning at my parish, and I was just suddenly struck in the midst of preaching at the funeral that knowing that I had a wedding here this afternoon, that you know, funerals are so much more about life, and weddings are so much more about death. All the married couples are like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's true, though, in the sense that you've come to lay your life down, to be you no more. Because what makes us happy, what makes us fulfilled, what makes us satisfied is not what the world tells us. It's not the endless pursuit of selfish gratification. It's not the endless pursuit of getting what I want, being comfortable, getting my way. And here's the secret. Here's the secret. That marriage, it's not designed to make you happy. It's designed to make you holy. Like God didn't call you to the sacrament for your happiness, but for your holiness. He called you to this, not because you're so wonderful and so delightful, which you both are, but he called you to this because you're both not yet saints. He's like, all right, Mikey, I need to find the exact right grit sandpaper to polish you into a saint. I'm gonna give you Natalie. And Natalie, I'm gonna find the exact right grit to polish you into a saint. That's Mikey. Like the Lord's called you to this to perfect you because there's still too much you in you. He's called you to this so that you would sacrifice and offer your life, your lives and pour yourselves out again and again to learn how to love more and more like he loves. That's the problem. That's the goal. That's the task of this life is to learn how to love, to be transformed into his love. That's the task. That's the task. God takes the water of your lives and he's going to turn it into wine today. And the, the goal is to not let it turn into vinegar. <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal. We're all looking for happiness. Every single person is looking for happiness. Single people, married people, priests, religious, consecrated people. We're all looking to have that restless heart put to rest. As St. Augustine said, you've made us for yourself, O Lord. Our hearts are restless till they rest in you. But what makes us happy is Jesus. He's it. He is it. And if you hang your hope for happiness on anything but him, including and especially each other, you're going to end in disaster. Because if you haven't figured it out already, you won't be able to perfectly satisfy each other. Because you have hearts that long for infinite joy, infinite love, infinite fulfillment. And you're marrying a finite person. Don't hang your hope for happiness or perfect fulfillment or perfect happiness on each other. Put that on Jesus. The gospel that they chose, it's not the typical gospel that couples choose for their weddings. I, it's been a long time since I've had a couple pick the Beatitudes, which is fun. I like the preaching challenge. It's usually like the wedding feast of Canaan. It's like, I know, water, wine, okay, yeah. But this was fun. This was good. This was fun for me to pray through this. Because the gospel you picked, I think it's amazing that what the, the Beatitudes are, it's, it's, the, it's a huge section in Matthew's gospel, and it's Jesus' first sermon is what the, the Sermon on the Mount is. It's the first time he gets up to preach to the crowds. And he goes on and on and on for several chapters, several pages. 
It would have been a very long homily. People would have been writing letters to his pastor. But his first homily, if you will, the first time Jesus, the Son of God, is preaching, I think it's amazing that his first homily is not about morality. It's not about doctrine. It's not about dogma. It's not about ethics. He doesn't give us shout-nots and shouts. He doesn't give us rules. He doesn't preach about liturgy or worship. The first time the Son of God opens his mouth to preach, he teaches the crowds about 5,000 people. He teaches the crowds about happiness. The word that gets translated as blessed that we just heard in that gospel is the Greek word makarios. Makarios translates better to happy will you be, blessed will you be, fulfilled will you be. He's preaching about happiness. I think that's extraordinary. Because like, I don't know what you have in your mind about who Jesus is. He's intensely interested in your hearts and your happiness. He wants to fulfill you. He came that you might have life, he says, and have it abundantly. He didn't say, I came that their lives might be boring. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Many people today, many people seek what they have to do, what they ought to do, or what they ought to have to be happy. If only I get the next iPhone. I want that iPhone 14, man. Holy cow. Then I'll be happy. If I get that next promotion, then I'll be happy. If I get that pool in the backyard, if I get into this whatever, if I have this car, this number in my bank account, then I'll be happy. That ain't how it works. Jesus is saying, there's something you have to be to be happy. That's what he's spelling out. That's something you have to be. So he says, blessed are you, Mikey and Natalie. Happy will you be when you are poor in spirit as opposed to rich in material. The word spirit is the same word for breath in the Greek. It's pneuma or ruah in the Hebrew. Spirit, breath. Happy are you when you lack even breath in your lungs, when you live a life that is so radically dependent on God that you're waiting for your next breath from him. Almost none of us live lives of such radical dependency. We are so self-sufficient as modern people. It's amazing that the more dependent you get on him, the happier you'll be. Happy will you be. Happy and blessed will your marriage be when you relax and trust him with everything, recognizing that everything is a gift from the Father. The adventure of trusting the Father's providential love and his care for you, that he's taking care of it, like all of it. Happy will you be when you relax into that posture of dependence. Blessed are you, Mikey and Natalie. Happy will you be when you mourn, Jesus says, when you're not addicted to good feelings. When you have the capacity to suffer loss because you didn't keep your hearts hermetically sealed and safe in these vaults of self-sufficiency, when you didn't keep yourself protected, but instead you were willing to be vulnerable, were you willing to let someone in to be affected? You only mourn, you only grieve when you've let yourself fall in love, when you let yourself be vulnerable, when you let yourself love deeply. Like the risk of love is the risk of getting hurt. A lot of us know that. Most of us know that, I would say. Getting wounded, that's what the word vulnerable means. Volnus, wounded, woundable is what it means in the Latin. You will be happy and blessed if you live lives of vulnerability, especially with each other, letting each other in deeper and deeper. So without love, nobody would mourn. 
But you have the capacity to mourn because you've loved so much. Blessed are you, Mikey and Natalie. Happy will you be when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you allow yourselves to feel your ache for eternity. Like when you refuse to allow all the signs and icons of this world, all the good things of this world, as good as they are, none of them perfectly satisfy. When you allow yourself to actually hunger for heaven. You go through this world as a pilgrim knowing this isn't my home. I'm just passing through. Thank you, Father, for all these great things. Don't let the icons of this world become idols. You'll be happy when you allow yourselves to remain hungry for the God who is the satisfaction of your hearts, right? Blessed are you, Mikey and Natalie. Happy will you be when you are merciful and most of all to each other. I've often thought that matrimony, marriage, is the sacrament of divine mercy. Right, right now you guys got a great visual on the image of divine mercy on the back of the church. Right? The image of divine mercy, it's a reminder that Jesus desires to love us at our worst. It's this insane kind of paradox, this insane love that is God's love. That through each other, Jesus will love you like the worst versions of you. That through a lifetime of forgiving and choosing each other and discovering again and again, my God, you still love me. You discover that you're just so lovable through and through. Happy will you be when you are merciful. Blessed are you, Mikey and Natalie. Happy will you be when you are clean of heart. Jesus says you will see God. See God. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere. That's the gift of purity of heart in each other, in morning cups of coffee, in fleeting glances from across the room, in fireside conversations, in friends dropping in, in family, in overcooked meals and undercooked meals and all the tiny things and big things and everything in between, right? The awful things, the beautiful things, you will see God in everything. And most of all, you'll see God in each other because that's what's happening in the sacrament. You become a sign of God's love for each other. Happy are you, Mikey and Natalie. Blessed are you. Happy will you be when you are persecuted and insulted. When your marriage stands out from the crowd, when you look like Christ and remind people of Christ and remind people of God's love, when you don't blend in, when you don't conform, when you aren't the cool parents who let their kids do what all the other parents let their kids do, probably be persecuted by your kids. Blessed are you. Blessed will you be. Friends, here's the bottom line. You guys are seeking a very strange path to happiness today by joining that man on the cross. My prayer for you is that you will never come down. That through his grace, you would stay there. And in that, experience resurrection. Amen.